Welcome to the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Vest, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Today on the podcast, I am sitting down with Amelia Travis, who is the spiritual business coach and modern mystic that has been helping me in my business since the very beginning. I still so distinctly remember like it was yesterday when uh, it was January 2020. I had decided that if I was going to launch a coaching business, the very first thing that I needed to do to signal to the universe that I believed in the power of coaching was hire my own coach. And I came upon a post from Amelia on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, booked an alignment call like from Bali. And honestly, the rest is history. Uh, I'm such a big fan of her. And I just know that you're going to love our conversation about everything from pleasure and why it's important to, um, you know, how she pivoted her business in the pandemic and how she came to be where she is today as much as I did. So tell me the truth. Has update my LinkedIn been on your to do list for like ever? Have you been feeling like you want to have a better answer the next time someone says, So tell me about yourself? And have you been wanting to show up as more of a thought leader, but you have no idea how to go about it or how to hold yourself accountable? Uh, I talk to a lot of women who are ready to show up at the next level, but they're either not sure where to start or wanting some accountability and structure to actually prioritize this, or maybe they're lacking confidence that they have something to say or missing a community of hype women to give them feedback and pump them up. Magnetic AF, the personal branding hypermind for women in impact, is a program designed to help you show up as the rock star that you already are. Through homework assignments and focused mastermind sessions, I'll walk you through my signature personal branding process. You'll walk out with everything from a personal mission statement to a version of your story that is ready for prime time, an updated LinkedIn profile, and a content calendar. Not to mention, you'll have a whole new community of badass women in the impact space ready to cheer you on. The magic is starting November 10th and spots are limited. So head over to elizabethbest.com slash magnetic AF to save yours today. Hi. Oh my goodness. I am seriously over the moon to be here today with one of my favorite humans and actually my business coach for the past year and a half, but also a friend, a soul sister, just someone who I am such a huge fan of. Amelia Travis. Um, Amelia, I again, I'm like just so thrilled that we get to sit down and talk today. I have about a million questions I would love to ask you. But before we jump into questions, I would love to give some space for you to introduce yourself. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a joy to be here and to be viewed by you as a woman who's changing the world. Um, I am a spiritual business coach and modern mystic, which really just means I help primarily women entrepreneurs 
recognize their own inherent divinity and make decisions for their business and life that are aligned with their pleasure, desire, and their most expansive vision of themselves. It's kind of like holistic business coaching in that I think that um, our spiritual identity is foundational in our expression of self in our business. Um, So that's who I am in my work. I'm also a yoga practitioner for 20 years and teacher for 10, a breathwork facilitator and a mom to two little boys and um, a woman who really loves to connect with and advocate for uh, other women in business and spirituality. Ah, well, thank thank you so much for that intro, and I very much know that that is true um, for you. I definitely want to get into how you came to be where you are today, but maybe before we jump into that, because this is the Women Changing the World podcast, um, I ask everyone, if you could change one thing about the world, what do you think your one thing would be? I would heal the wound of power over, because I think that's a central wound that is creating destruction and devastation on so many levels today. I think it's the core wound of all oppressive systems, including white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, uh, that these all ultimately come down to the ways that we exchange power and hold power over each other as humans, but also over the earth itself, over other um, other forms of life. And I think my life's work actually at its core is to help people heal the wound of power over within themselves and adjust their relationship um, to expression of power so that so that hopefully we can have a planet for our kids to live on. <laughs> No big deal and no pressure. (laughs) It's not like existential or anything. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. I haven't heard like the kind of dismantling systemic racism, ending the patriarchy and saving the planet described together so beautifully and articulately. And so I really love that framing of the power over and, and the wound of the power over. Thank you. Yeah, I think, and I think how that relates to like helping women in business and helping women in spirituality is that we internalize these systems of oppression and we actually become the keepers of our own bondage in so many ways. And that happens through our um, implicit agreements with the power structures that we participate in. And, you know, a lot of coaches talk about mindset or talk about limiting beliefs. Um, And we can recognize, you know, the interplay of like childhood trauma and um, shadow work, right? All of these buzzwords. And really, it just comes down to like, uh, where do we give our power? Where do we give our attention? How much space do we let ourselves take up? How much, how do we reclaim power from the places that we've given it away to? And, um, And how can we find a healthy balance of that power both within and without so that we can be in right relationship with ourselves, with each other, with our communities and with the world at large. And I think we, we express that (laughs) through our businesses and we express that, um, through our 
spirituality. Um, and in my case, that looks like, you know, reclaiming women's rituals and um, using practices like yoga and meditation and breath work to connect with your own uh, expression of power and own expression of spirituality. Totally, totally. I mean, I love that so much. And I also feel like it's what you pointed out, this like internalization of the same systems that oppress us. I think, you know, so many, I mean, I am someone who I feel like deprogramming the hustle, as I call it, is like daily work, Mm -hmm. (laughs) daily work. And I know for so many of the women that I work with, especially women who are entrepreneurs, but not exclusively women who are entrepreneurs, we have, we have internalized so much of this like capitalist hustle mentality. Um, So even when no one's asking it of us, like we have to quiet the voice that's asking for it in ourselves that we may or may not even realize is there. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, which is why like putting putting pleasure first in your life and pleasure is such a loaded word, but putting, um, yeah, pleasure, sensual enjoyment, allowing yourself to actually experience the beauty and the good that is available and slowing down and tuning in through your senses is like an, a little revolutionary act that we can do every single day. And, um, when we do that, when we find a way to balance pleasure with purpose in our businesses, there's a whole new realm of expansiveness that and success really that opens up because um, it's like the it's like there's this there's this story of a fisherman and maybe you've heard it but um, you know there's a businessman and a fisherman and and the businessman comes up to the fisherman who's taking a nap in the middle of, of the afternoon and says why aren't you working and the fisherman says well i already caught all the fish that i needed for the day so i'm going to relax and enjoy myself and take a nap and the businessman is like but you could get a bigger boat and you could fish more and you could like sell the fish and you could earn a bunch of money and the fisherman's like why would i want to do that and the businessman's like so that you could retire early and relax And the fisherman's like, I'm already doing that. Um, And so I think, you know, what you and I are trying to do in like reclaiming pleasure in our lives and in our businesses is say, we can have it now. We can actually have the experience that we're working for and working towards in this present moment. And then the entire experience becomes um, this beautiful process of living and enjoying ourselves Mm. and 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 actually experiencing abundance in the moment instead of making abundance this um, thing that we're, you know, equating to big bags of money or um, a certain car or whatever. But like abundance is there in your morning coffee and abundance is there in, you know, the wind blowing through the trees outside your window and finding those those moments to slow down and actually appreciate and celebrate what we've already accomplished and what we're already experiencing magnetizes more of that coming to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hadn't heard that fisherman story in a long time, but I love it so much. I mean, I can think of so many examples, like anecdotes I've heard in life of people who worked and worked 
for retirement um, and then whatever happened that the retirement that they had worked their whole lives for was not, you know, what they had been envisioning. And it also reminds me of this like <laughs> quote from my very first um, esthetician back in college. And I don't know, I think I've talked about her on the podcast before, but for whatever reason, I mean, she had so many nuggets of wisdom. But when I was like 21 and seeing her and she said to me at one point as I'm like laying on her table, she was like, you know, if you have a good day every day, you have a good life. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be so hard sometimes to realize that like, you know, that joy and pleasure in the present, um, if you can create that for yourself, then like you're winning. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be like, you know, whatever the future vision is. If you're spending all your time working for the future, then yeah. you're missing something now. Yeah. That, that, feels connected. My dad worked his whole life and died when I was 24, about a year after he retired. And my husband's father, same thing, worked his whole life, retired and uh, got cancer and died within like two years. So I think for for our family and just for my personal, um, you know, perspective and approach is like, I want to live now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, there's tomorrow's not promised. And I think that's especially true as we look at the global landscape right now and the many crises that we're navigating collectively. Um, and it, it becomes even more urgent and even more pressing to find the beauty and the pleasure and the joy and the appreciation and the human connection and all of these things in the moment because um, the future feels really tenuous. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to take a step back. And I mean, I know you've had a beautiful journey. I also, I'm, I will be surprised if I don't learn something about you that I don't already know as you answer this question. Um, but I would really love to hear how you came to be where you are today and, you know, permission granted to take up space and telling this story. I feel like you've had, you know, such an interesting journey. And I imagine for people listening, they're like, how, how do you become a spiritual business coach? How do you become a modern mystic? Mm -hmm. And would love to hear as much of that as you're willing to share. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my um, favorite quotes about mysticism says, a mystic is someone who has encountered the divine and been transfigured by its presence. Mm. And that is a big part of my story. Um, so let's see, how far back do we go? Um, I grew up in California and um, had aspirations of, I don't know, being a doctor, being a lawyer, doing something you know highly credentialed and important. <laughs> um, my mom was a psychologist. My dad was an attorney. So I figured I would go down one of those paths. Um, but long story short, my dad cheated on my mom and left when I was 14. And I kind of spiraled into not just an angsty adolescence, but an angsty adolescence that was abusing a lot of drugs, um, that was seeking the uh, love that was now like felt lost by my dad, um, through promiscuity and, you know, having sex with a bunch of dudes and dating a bunch of different guys and really getting into like really unhealthy relationships, um, with men in the search for that affection and love. And, um, found myself in a <laughs> power over relationship from 15 to 21 where, um, 
I gave everything to it. I gave my entire self to it. I worked, um, you know, two, sometimes three jobs to finance, be the main financial supporter of the relationship, did independent study for high school, graduated early, moved out and moved in with um, my partner who was six years older than I was when I was 17. So I was 17, living on my own, working two jobs, supporting both of us and, um, helping to raise his daughter from a previous relationship who was only 11 years younger than I was. So um, raised this little girl from the time she was five to the time she was 10 and really just had to step into adulthood or chose to step into adulthood, what I thought adulthood was, quickly um, and bringing a lot of pain with me that at the time I wasn't even willing to look at. I was like, oh, my dad just did this fucked up thing and he's an asshole and whatever, I'm fine. Um, (laughs) And it's funny looking back because like my sister went the kind of opposite direction. I say I went like this, you know, um, sex, drugs, and bone thugs. And she went like, um, she's now a rocket scientist for NASA. And she went that path of like just being very stoic and like working really hard in school. And so we were these two kind of polarities of how people respond to a traumatic, um, you know, life event. And long story short, the guy that I was dating was um, really controlling, emotionally abusive, eventually physically abusive. And I realized that the example that I was setting for his daughter um, was not the example that I wanted to be giving of what love looked like. So um, at the age of 21... I finally got it together to leave that relationship. But by the time I got it together to leave that relationship, I was deep in disordered eating, uh, severely restricting. So, um, you know, I was was navigating um, anorexia, bulimia, kind of both at the same time, had developed a prescription pill dependence um, by seeing multiple different psychiatrists and kind of spinning different stories to them about what was wrong with me so that I could get Adderall and uh, Klonopin and, you know, Xanax and um, painkillers from somebody else. And so it was really um, coping through self-medication of all different sorts And um, at the time, I had been working a job selling mortgages right before the mortgage industry collapsed in 2007 and 2008. And so I was 21 years old and I was making close to $10,000 a month selling mortgages, um, writing people into like reverse mortgages, which is just a whatever ethical dilemma. Um, And I was used to making a lot of money. So when I left this guy, I... uh, was abusing drugs, starving myself, and went from making $10,000 a month to making no money and started putting everything on my credit cards. So I left this abusive relationship. I drove cross country by myself um, to try to get as far away from him as possible. I drove from California to North Carolina. And when I got to North Carolina, there's another ocean. You can't go anymore. <laughs> so I stopped and I stayed there. Um, and I, I, I got myself into a three-year period of trying to get my power back by abusing other men um, through the sugar baby, sugar daddy dynamic. And so my reasoning was, you know, I've been working three jobs taking care of this guy and raising his kid and, you know, being controlled and being... Um, abused and I'm not going to let that happen anymore. 
I'm not going to get emotionally involved with anyone. I'm going to um, enter into these relationships with fully with um, the intention of just, I give you attention and sex and uh, my time and you give me an allowance and take me on fancy vacations and there will be no emotions involved. I'm 21, 22 years old at this time. And probably hearing it, you guys can hear like, well, that doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> at the time, it seemed like a good way to get my power back. Um, totally. No, I mean, I I can sh- – like I feel like I it's so I so resonate with the idea of like doing just like very destructive things and thinking that you can use casual sex as a way of getting – your power back and also I'm listening like and like you know things I wish I could tell my 22 year old self is like girl it doesn't work like that really (laughs) and I mean you know it's complex because as I look back on this and I've I've looked at this in um, therapy and in medicine work and like there is a part of it that that is that was that was right on you know what I mean there was a part of it that was like go out there and enjoy sex go out there and and leverage these things that we've commodified, your youth and your beauty and your, um, you know, your charm, use them to get what you want. And like, I don't want to, you know, retrospectively shame myself because I actually think that, um, that that period of time, that that couple of years was so, I know that it was absolutely essential to my overall healing because of what I learned about you know, the power dynamics and about myself um, and about what love is not, you know what I mean? About the ways to not seek love. Um, So anyway, did the sugar baby sugar daddy thing, dated a bunch of different guys, um, found out that there's a lot of con artists in the whole sugar daddy (laughs) shebang and got myself involved. Oh my God. Yeah. Got myself involved with some really criminal uh, folks. One who ended up later going to prison for securities fraud one who uh, turns out, you know, called himself a rapper, turns out had done 10 years in prison for murder and was really actually involved in organized crime. Um, And so it it goes back to this like power exchange, right? Like they were operating out of some uh, toxic masculinity conditioning about like what they needed to be as men, you know, ballers, have money, get hot young women. Um, And I was operating out of the conditioning um, that I wanted to be that hot young woman who was wearing Christian Dior shoes and carrying a Gucci bag and flying on private planes and that those things gave us worth and value, right? So it didn't work out, you guys. (laughs) It didn't work out. Um, The drug dependence that was there continued to intensify, Um, you know, the house of cards that were so many of these guys, um, uh, you know, presentations started to crumble. But during that period of my life, I also, um, I hit like a rock bottom, right? I, I, I had a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. I was basically exchanging sex for money at that point, though it was never quid pro quo. Like I would, you know, get an allowance in exchange for a time and companionship. So like call it whatever you want to call it. Um, I got a job as a flight attendant but was um, really drinking super heavily, which is a cultural thing within being a flight attendant. And um, my life was just a mess. I had totally 
alienated myself from my family. I stopped returning their calls, didn't text back like people who had been my friends because I was just totally engulfed in shame and self-hatred and fear and um, really like hopelessness um, because I felt like I just kept making bad decision on top of bad decision and I didn't know how to let anybody in at that point. And the beautiful thing about rock bottom, which is, by the way, never a singular place, but always this subterranean maze of caverns where like you think you can't go any lower and then whoops, you find another hole and you manage to crawl down in. Um, But the thing about that place is it is a really good place for spiritual awakening. It's a really good place to to say help. (laughs) I can't do this myself. And that's what happened um, with my kind of first, I would say, spiritual awakening. I was raised atheist agnostic, um, but during this period of the sugar baby years, when things got really bad and I had creditors calling me all day, every day, and I was just totally depleted from the power exchanges I was having with these men and disconnected from my family, um, I was asked by one of these men that I was dating, why don't you believe in God? Because he was a Southern Christian, right? And that's a whole different can of worms. But he asked me, why don't you believe in God? And I said, if God is real, then why do I feel so empty inside? And he said, well, you know, a vessel by definition, if it's empty, it means it can be filled. If a glass is empty, it means there's something that could fill it. So if you feel empty, maybe you could be filled. And it's not like in that moment the heavens opened or anything, but I did have this epiphany of like, oh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing the spiritual connection. So I started to open myself to it. And at the time it was opening myself to mainly Christianity because that's what I was being influenced towards by this dude. Um, but it was the foundation of something as I started to weave my own spiritual relationship, my own relationship with the divine, as I started to pray, really, um, miracles started to happen and it would be, it was small things at first, but then later big things. And, um, and I started to rely on the power of my hotline, right? This connection that I had to the divine and, um, So flash forward and I come to 2009, the realization that the sugar daddy thing isn't going to work. The main, one of the main guys that I was dating, who was not a criminal or con artist, who was giving me a $15,000 a month allowance, dumped me by email. (laughs) Thank you very much to that guy. Dumped me by email. Um, And I, at the same time, had received news that my dad had six months to live. And so I was on the East Coast and I was like, I got to go back to California. I had an apartment in Ohio at the time, an apartment in Charlotte, was dating a guy that had houses in New York and Florida. And I was kind of jet setting all over the place with my flight attendant job. And I was just like, this is not working. I'm going back to California. I don't have a plan. Um, And then that guy dumped me by email. So my allowance was effectively cut off. Um, And so I, I came back to California and sat on the beach, uh, 10 miles away from where I live now on the central coast, sat on the beach in Cayucas, California, and just like re-surrendered my life. And I was like, okay, 
okay, God, um, I suck at this. I suck at making decisions. Like (laughs) I don't want to date anymore. I want to be single for like the next five years. I want to surf. I want to paint. I want to write. I just want to become the woman that I'm supposed to be. And, um, the universe responded. Like God, those prayers, your prayers have power. Your words have power. Your intention has power. And things started to weave in a different way. And a few nights later, met this dude who was supposed to be a random hookup. By the way, I know I just said I swore off men, but I got on OkCupid and was looking for like just a rebound kind of not doing the sugar baby thing anymore. I'm just going to like meet a cute guy and have a vacation romance and uh, on September 9th, 2009, 9, 9, 09 at 9 p.m., met this handsome stranger in a bar. And for the first time in my life, heard an audible voice, like out loud, of side of me. It sounded just like my voice. And all it said was, this is the man you're going to marry. And I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Not right now, <laughs> universe. So, um Ugh, I have full body chills. You've told me that before and I still have full body chills. It was good, man. So I was like, I'm going to challenge this because this whole God thing, like I still was a skeptic, right? And I was like, hey, do you want to play a game? And this guy that we're on our first date, we've known each other for one hour is like, I don't, I sure, let's play a game. And I was like, I'm going to tell you all the worst stuff about me. And if you still want to hang out when I'm done, then we can. And he's like, okay, that's a weird game, but okay. <laughs> and so I just lay it on him. I'm like, I've been dating older, wealthy men for their money for the last three years. I have a serious drug dependency problem. I got arrested for shoplifting when I was a teenager. My dad cheated on my mom and left. I tell a lot of lies. It's habitual. Like I just started just like, go. I mean, I, I probably went on for 10 minutes. I don't remember all the things that I said, but as I was doing this, I watched this guy's face just becoming more and more amused. And I was like, this is not a normal reaction. Um, and so I finally run out of breath and he's like, is that all? <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's probably more, but that's all I can think of right now. And he's like, okay, you want to go shoot some pool? And I was like, okay. And so this is one of those pivotal moments in life where like I fully revealed myself to someone. I started practicing what would later become this life adage of just show up and tell the truth and magic unfolded. We had a great date. The next morning he took me surfing. Then he invited me to go on a vacation with his family, which yes, it seems very quick looking back on it now. Um, Long story short, 10 years later, we're married. We've got two kids. We have a beautiful life together. Um, And it was because a lot of it was because of like his radical acceptance, but his radical acceptance was of me showing up and telling the truth and revealing my whole self without bringing the guilt and shame and all that shit to the table. So my spiritual, my faith deepened right from that experience of like praying on the beach, hearing this voice, meeting this person, and then life starting to unfold in this really beautiful way. That was in 2009. And um, over the next few years, that prayer of let me surf, let me paint, let me write started to unfold. I went and did my yoga certification. I started managing an art gallery. I just started doing the things that I wanted to do with my life, started pursuing pleasure, if you will, started following the things that lit me up instead of trying to put on this costume of what I thought society told me I needed to be. And, um, and it just kept getting better and better. I founded a company in 2013 called Stoked Yogi, which was um, yoga on stand-up paddle boards. And we did workshops and teacher trainings and retreats. 
And over the over 2013 to present day, built and scaled a multi six figure business, um, empowering women to know that their dreams exist for a reason and helping them bring those to life through yoga, surfing, paddling, um, and these adventure experiences. And um, as I grew that company and as I met more and more women who are like, wow, how is your life so fucking amazing? You live on a sailboat. You have this beautiful husband. You like, you do the things that you love and people pay you to do them. And I was like, um, I ask, I asked for this life. I prayed for it. And then I showed up and told the truth and watched as miracles happened. And, um, and they, you know, they started then asking, can you help me do the same thing? And so coaching, actually, I fell into it because people started asking me, how do I grow a multi six figure business just doing the things that I love? And I started coaching women to do that in 2016. Um, by 2018, realized that that really I needed to, to put some structure around my coaching and make that a, a separate avenue of business. And so I self-branded as Amelia Travis and started coaching spirit-led or spiritual women entrepreneurs who who recognize that it's not just about the strategy, right? It's about your heart. And it's about these deep desires that exist within you that aren't a mistake. Like they're there for a reason. There are dream seeds that are planted in only your heart. And you are the one that is supposed to show up for those and lean into the unknown and um, water them with your faith and your action so that you can have a life that's more beautiful than you can maybe even currently imagine. And, you know, that's a really brief summary of the last 10 years. A lot of things have also happened in that time. Um, One of the biggest is that that faith perspective that I had that previously was kind of built on the divine masculine and on Christianity um, expanded in in 2019, 2018, to really realize that I had neglected the divine feminine and the relationship with the earth and that there's, yes, so much beauty in the divinity above and in connecting to the heavens, but also there's divinity in these bodies and in the earth and in the elements and in um, in the things that have been really suppressed and repressed for 5,000 years um, and started bringing divine feminine into my business. And that's when things started to really expand and accelerate. And the last three years I've spent in study of that and pursuit of like, what does it mean to be an initiate of the divine feminine? What does it mean to bring pleasure and desire and, um, and magnetism into our bodies and into our businesses? What does it mean to, to lead like a woman, you know, and how, uh, how, how good can it get when we do that? Um, totally. so hopefully that answers how my spiritual business coach, cause that was like 20 minutes of answer. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Um, I so appreciate your like sharing so fully your story. And it's so interesting to hear. Um, it's so interesting for me to hear you share it in that way now, because I just, I still remember so distinctly, I was in Bali at the beginning of 2020. I had been looking for a sign of whether my next step was to start my business. And I had, gotten indisputably like multiple signs. It was like, okay, it's time to do this. And I remember I was like, I think it was maybe the night before I flew home or a couple nights before I flew home. 
And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, if I'm going to start a coaching business, like the first thing that I need to do if I believe in the value of coaching is I feel like I need to hire a coach. Um, And also, side note, the whole reason I was in Bali is because I was on a mission to reconnect with the divine feminine. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. very much feeling like that was something that was missing in my life that I wanted to really take some time to ground into. And I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw a a post from you about coaching. And I think we must have, I think we connected in San Diego for stand-up paddleboard yoga, but it was just like the perfect message at the perfect time of like, oh yes, everything you're describing, like, I want that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And obviously like, I'm not the only person who feels that way about the work that you've been doing and offering for so long. Um, And so I think it's really interesting to hear more about the evolution. And I also know that your business has really evolved, like specifically since the pandemic, as I think so many of our businesses have. I was, you know, lucky and unlucky in the sense that I got started just before. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have a whole lot to pivot (laughs) when it was time to pivot. Um, but I know your business has really transformed. So I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about what that's looked like. Yeah, absolutely. So that multi six figure business that I was running was doing in-person event experiences as like 70% of our revenue. Um, so doing teacher trainings and retreats in person with groups of 12 to 30 women sharing lodging. Well, all of a sudden here comes COVID and that is not going to work anymore. Um Thankfully, I did already have coaching as one revenue stream in my business, and I had experience with online facilitation of yoga a little bit with breathwork. And um, so right away, and actually, I had just started working in um, psychedelic integration and weaving psychedelics into some of the uh, offerings, the retreat offerings just prior to COVID too, and had been deep in my own medicine work for about a year. So there's an intersection here of like, um, yeah, the pandemic arrived and I realized everything has to go online and also people's needs are going to be very different in this moment than maybe they were previously. And for me, that shift was like, how can I support people's spirits right now? How can I create, you know, how can I create spaces for people to connect when we are isolated from each other for our own safety? So I started doing listening circles, which are basically just like a group space for women to come and to be seen and heard in a space that's not social media, um, to share what's going on in our hearts and minds without being responded to a space to just be heard right which is what so many of us probably tell our our partners that we want we're like I just want you to listen to me I don't want you to fix it um so I created that space I started facilitating breathwork and yoga online via zoom and um and really just doubled down on the fact that that our self-care through pleasure is absolutely essential uh, piece of women's overall wellness. Um, So yeah, I I shifted to doing pretty much everything online. And then, and then I got pregnant again in June of 2020. And that, uh, that 
change things yet again, because as a woman with one four-year-old and another baby on the way in a global pandemic and uh, working from home, um, I needed to make plans and adjustments for like not working for a period of time. Um, I think the pandemic was a huge blessing because it actually helped me realize that things that I thought were necessary in my business, like I would have told you previously that there's no way I could quit doing retreats and teacher trainings because those were such a important income stream. Um, and you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention, but very quickly with the pandemic, I realized that actually not only could I survive without those revenue streams, but my business became more profitable because I didn't have the expenses associated, the overhead associated with event production. And that there was actually, I really enjoyed um, being at home, being with my family, being with my kids, not traveling and slowing way the fuck down. That was like one of the greatest gifts, I think, of COVID for me and for my family was the forced slowdown because I was still going 100 miles an hour prior to that. And then it was only the actual experience of being forced to slow down that made me realize how good that felt and how much I like um, working at a slower pace and actually how much more effective I am when I do that. So, yeah, it was a beautiful shift. Totally, totally. I know that you are not alone. I am one of many people that I feel like I look back at my pre-pandemic self and I was so busy. <laughs> I just, I aspire to never, like, it's insane what I was able to accomplish in a day, but I aspire to never be that busy again. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'd love to talk a little bit more about bringing more pleasure into your life. Um, for anyone listening who is like hearing this and thinking, I would love to have more pleasure in my life and I have absolutely no idea where to start. Like, where would you suggest, like, what's a baby step that someone could take if they're feeling like they want more pleasure and they aren't quite sure what to do? Yeah, such a good question. Well, first of all, um, if you already identify with wanting more pleasure, I congratulate you because you have a positive relationship with the word pleasure. That word is so loaded. And I think for many women, it immediately brings up guilt and shame and a sense of like, it has to be earned or, um, you know, it, it doesn't always feel even accessible to think about having pleasure. That feels like an indulgence. Um, so first I would just invite you to consider your relationship with the word itself, um, and see if you would like more spaciousness, you would like more mindfulness, you would like more joy, you would like more ease, you would like more grace, you would like more flow because all of those things are connected to pleasure. And then I would also invite you to connect with the, um, I want you to just imagine any woman in your life, and I, I do want it to specifically be a woman who is fully expressed in her pleasure about something. And so it's easiest if you think of like a time that um, you were eating something really yummy or somebody you love was eating really something really yummy. 
And that just sense of like, mm, this is so good. <laughs> right. And like bringing that feeling, what if life could feel like that feeling? And, and we know that sense of like, um, a time when like, it's a Friday afternoon, the whole weekend is stretching ahead of you. You're on the beach. It's the most spectacular sunset. You've had, you know, just the right amount of champagne or a weed gummy or kombucha or like whatever your thing is. And you're in relational pleasure of like, you're with somebody that you love and just that feeling of mm, life is so good. Um, and so first just connecting with, okay, yes, that is pleasure. And do I want more of that? And then if you're like, hell yeah, I want more of that. Duh. Um, <laughs> to know that pleasure is about first attuning to appreciation. So it can be as simple as coming fully into the present moment and um, asking yourself, what could I do to feel 1% more comfortable or 1% more appreciative in this moment? Right. And that might be like, I'm going to take my bra off. I'm going to unbutton my pants. I'm going to get a cozy blanket. I'm going to make myself a warm beverage. There's almost always something um, that we can either add to or remove from our environment or experience in the current moment to come a little bit further into pleasure. And then the next thing I would invite you to do is connect with your senses because really pleasure is experienced through our senses, through sight, sound, smell, touch, um, and taste. And so the practice of mindfulness, of mindful presence, and first observing all five of those senses one by one, and then tuning into one of them and allowing it to magnify, allowing it to expand, and kind of putting on rose-colored glasses of that particular sense and noticing what is good and right about it. So I might even notice the breeze coming in through my office window right now and how it smells and bring my full attention to that and allow myself to uh, expand the sense of pleasure of the smell of the trees and the flowers and the, the earth outside my window. Um, and that that simple practice of sensory awareness, checking in, you know, once a day, even attuning to the senses and then asking, how can I make myself 1% more comfortable? Or how can I make this moment 1% more pleasurable or 10% or 50%? Uh, like go big if you, if you can, and you want to, um, but tuning into the senses and allowing appreciation to expand is the beginning of moving more deeply into pleasure. Mm, I love that so much. Um, and I also, I just looked at the time. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Um, I know I can talk to you for hours. And I feel like I have so many questions. I want to talk deeply about like psychedelics and taking up space. And there's so many other topics that I feel like I want to cover that I don't know that we will be able to do justice. And so I would love to ask a couple kind of like quick questions for you and also extend the invitation that I feel like we need to have a part two <laughs> because I feel like there's so much more to discuss. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, well, you know, some of my favorite kind of like quick, quick questions were like takeaways for people. Um, I'm so curious your answer to this one. Um, 
what advice would you give your younger self? And you can pick any age as you see fit. Mm. That's such a great question. I think I would speak to my early 20s self. And I would tell her what you want is good. Because I'm going to cry saying this because this happens for a lot of women, but being in controlling relationship dynamics, um, even just society as a whole really limits what we can want and points us to wanting this body, this appearance, um, and setting our priorities in an order that are not internally guided. And what I wanted, what I always wanted was um, to be fully expressed in myself, to be seen and heard and loved in the fullness of who I was, to make art with my life, to explore consciousness, right? And even the sex and the drugs were part of that, were part of just wanting to explore the depths of consciousness, the light and the dark as we label them. And I had so much guilt and shame and judgment around just wanting what I wanted in life and feeling like I I needed to want uh, the career path that society says to have, or I needed to want, you know, even the money was like such a product of conditioning. And it's okay if it's not for you, like if you just want the money. But I would tell her what you want is good and listen to that inner voice of desire and pleasure that is guiding you and the the felt sense of knowing uh, instead of the chatter of the mind and follow what you want because it's not going to lead you astray. That is so beautiful and so wise. I love that so much. I feel like you've dropped a few really inspiring nuggets in our conversation. I mean, what you want is good is certainly one of them. Show up and tell the truth. I love. Um, One of the things that's my not at all secret wish for this podcast is, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Tim Ferriss show. I admittedly don't listen much now, but he asks um, all his guests, or he used to, if you could have a billboard, what would you put on your billboard? Um, but most of the women in my world, myself very much included, we have like inspirational post-it notes all over our desks. (laughs) So, um, one day I want to print like a deck of all the inspirational post-it note messages for my podcast guests. Um, so if you got one or two post-it notes and you can totally say something that you've already shared, but what would you want to put on your post-it? Yeah, there's, I have four of them sitting in front of me right now. So I'm like, which one do I share? (laughs) You can can share all of them. There's, we live in an abundant I'm going to share two that I think are two sides of of a coin. Um, One is that every, it's based on this idea that everybody that you look at who is doing the things that you want to do or has accomplished the things that you want to accomplish, they all have this in common. They decided, they began. 
So one of them would say, just decide, begin. (laughs) Because we spend so much time in indecision and in thinking about the thing and in like all of the different ways that it could go, just freaking decide. You can pivot later. You know what I mean? Decide, (laughs) begin. That is magic. Um, And because that is such a, a doing thing, I think the other one would balance it. And the other one is what I've been really working with over the last two years as I've been working more in um, the art of receiving and the power of pleasure and divine feminine. And it is let it be enough. Let Mm. it be enough. Let your effort be enough. Um, And this doesn't mean give up or be lazy or um, though I think we could reclaim laziness too, (laughs) but um, But know that when you've given everything that you have to give on something, even if you can recognize that it's your 90% and not your 100, for the love of God, let your 90% be enough. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Because I guarantee like no one else is ever going to know that it wasn't your 100. And like if you ever get to giving 100 to everything all the time, you have freaking arrived and you should just die at that point. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) The pursuit of perfection is, is, I think, an ideal that we will never actually reach. And so one of the greatest practices that we can have for actual contentment and to revel in the abundance that's already present is to let it be enough. Mm, I love that so much. I feel like uh, in that vein, I just love the idea. It's like your 90% is someone else's 100. Like no, no one even has to know that yeah. it's 90. Often your 80 is someone's 100. Yeah, we spend so much time beating ourselves up for uh, not it not being good enough or not giving our 100%. And it's like so many times I have felt um, that this thing that I created, you know, it just needed to be redone one more time or it just, it could have just been a little bit better. And then later I look back on it and I'm like, that was excellent. <laughs> you did a great job, self. Like, um, so, so the practice of in the present moment deciding I'm going to let this be enough has been really helpful in just non-attachment and, and, there's always room for improvement, right? But also uh, there's always room for contentment in what we've already done. Uh, yes, could not agree more. And I think in that vein, we I think we have to end there because <laughs> the spirit of letting it be enough. Let it be enough, Liz. There's, no there's no other question that I can ask after that. <laughs> so the last thing that um, I did want to make sure to include is for people who want more of you, um, where what's the best way for them to find you, to connect with you, um, to be in your circle? Yeah, we can connect on Instagram at Amelia Travis. And you can also find me on the web at AmeliaTravis.com. Amazing. Well, I will definitely be sure to include those links in the show notes. And there definitely has to be a part two of this conversation. Amelia, you're so amazing. I could not like imagine my life without you. I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you do and the work that I've gotten to do with you. And thank you so much for making the time to share your wisdom on the Women Changing the World podcast. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. 
Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at Liz, L-A-S dot best, B-E-S-T, or by searching my name on LinkedIn. You can also sign up for my three-day personal branding challenge, which is totally free, by visiting my website, which is Elizabeth with an S, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, best, B-E-S-T, dot com slash personal branding challenge. See you in the next episode.